Welcome to Y11 Audio. This is Ypsilanti's College Football Podcast. You can read Ypsilanti's College Football Newsletter at ipsy11.com. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. And it is actually, seriously, week zero, which means Eastern plays next week, but that means college football actually exists this week. It might not feel totally like it. It definitely feels like the mozzarella sticks of the college football season. Actually, not even. That's like kind of like, I don't know, week two, week three, because at least you get like some good dipping sauces with that, you know, some ranch, some red. I don't know what else you're supposed to dip them in, really. That's more of a good one. What's like a light appetizer that you don't really... I don't know. I'm going to have to come up with something there. But it's definitely like the appetizer's light. It's it's like the like the free samples of like seaweed passed out at Costco. Oh, would you like a seaweed crisp? Yeah, this won't hold me over. But I'm here. I'm 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 shopping uh at 10 a.m. So I, I will take it. Thank you. College football actually exists this week. We are finally in the regular season. On Tuesday, I'm sorry, today's Tuesday. On Thursday, we had published the Mac East preview with Justin Coffin, formerly of Hustle Belt, currently of Mac Football Pod, good friend of mine. We also did the Mac West preview. You're about to hear that in a little bit. Just want to get this little intro out of the way before I did that. Again, the order that we do that, we just kind of jump right into it. But the order of teams that you hear it, it goes by total number of wins that team's head coach has in MAC play from fewest to most. So that's the order we did it in. I didn't want to do it. Um, just, you know, the standard old, you know, how they do it in reverse order of last year's standings. You know, I didn't want to do it that way. Uh, as easy as it is. And that's, you know, that's kind of how it ends up being, anyways. Not 100%, but. I don't know. It was it was a fun way to look at it. Uh, one repeat announcement. Uh, these podcasts are going to be twice a week today being Tuesday. Thursdays, we're going to have them twice a week, ideally, um, potentially three times uh, with the games I'd like to have after I publish written content on the newsletter, ipsy11.com. Maybe like a eight to ten minute episode of just, you know, me exhaling about whatever has to be talked about right after the game. Just some easy content for Saturday night, early Sunday before the NFL kicks off. Something quick and easy and digestible. And just to parlay with everything else that's going up around the newsletter. So definitely Tuesdays and Thursdays to look out for here on the podcast. Also on the weekends, look out for a little something extra. Speaking of Ipsy11.com, Last thing that I wrote uh, was just like, you know, it was just a quick survey that I wanted to get out to everybody, Uh, everybody as in you, the listener, everybody as in EMU fans, everybody as in football fans following Eastern doesn't really it doesn't matter what your denomination is. Please take the survey. It takes about a, you know, about a couple minutes, you know, maybe just one minute if you already, you know, know how you're feeling about all of Eastern's games this year. It's pretty simple. You just go on there, you pick the winners and losers of each of Eastern's 12 games throughout the season, and on a scale of 1 to 7, how confident are you in that pick that you just made? And then your East, West, and MAC title game picks. I'll have the results published before kickoff Friday next week. You know what? I'm going to look up what are the early exit polls right now. I'm not going to go down, you know, everything right now, but... Just to give an, get an idea of what is going on. Let's see. All right. So far, just just based on, you know, the picked wins and loss records of how everybody picked throughout the season, uh, the only loss Eastern is going to have this year is at Minnesota. Uh, so, you know, pretty optimistic group. Um, I don't know if 11-1 is totally going to happen. You know, that's, you know. If, if you really feel confident in that, Vegas will give you plenty of money. I, I, I assure you that. But you got to be right for that. Again, go ahead. Check out the survey in ipsy11.com. I have my results in there. 
put yours in there. Do you agree with 11 and 1? Do you think it's going to be better than that? Do you think it's going to be worse than that? Uh, there's only way, only one way for you to tell me, ipsy11.com. Okay, enough of that. Let's just go right into the Mac West preview with Justin Coffin. And for the Mac West race preview, I got Justin Coffin uh, back again. We just recorded the East preview uh, minutes ago, minutes even, uh, but you listened to that days ago, days even. Uh, Justin, uh, let's let's just jump right into it. I, I, there's no no need to intro. We got we got to go to bed. Let's do it. Western Michigan is who we are going to lead off with because uh, Lance Taylor, first time head coach, first year head coach at Western Michigan. Uh, the team went five and seven overall, four and four in MAC play over the last five full seasons, not including the 2020 COVID uh, shortened season. Western Michigan has gone 33 and 30 overall, 22 and 18 in MAC play. Uh, I know a lot of people are complaining because it's you know you fired you know a pretty good coach, an alum even who took care of your program and was not doing horribly uh, on paper. Uh, let him go at a calculated time, I'll say. But still, it should you know it's an exciting hire. Should be good for Western Michigan, I think. And here's my prediction before I get into my big thing. My big prediction on Western Michigan, this is the team I'm most wrong about this year. Yep, this is the team I'm most wrong about. Uh, why? Here's my big thing. There's more talent on this roster than you probably realize. Not you, Justin, just people at home. Uh, I know a lot of skilled, all-MAC-level all players went to Minnesota, and we'll revisit that later. But looking at the roster, there's still a lot of returning guys that Western probably feels pretty, pretty good about. And plus, with Hayden Wolf coming in as a good quarterback from Old Dominion in the new system that they're supposed to be playing with and with its new offensive coordinator coming in from Richmond, I don't know, man. Looking at some clips of Hayden Wolf play at Old Dominion, I think if he just stays on his feet long enough, he might throw himself into being an all-Mac guy at the end of the year. Uh, full disclosure, you're a Western Michigan grad. I am, yes. Uh but uh, I do see the situation with clear eyes, and that is, it's there's a reason this team is picked to finish last in the MAC West. It's totally deserved. They are, they only have two returning starters coming back on defense. Um, they're going to be bad on defense. Historically bad, I don't know. They're going to be bad enough that there's going to be a lot of damage done that maybe the offense can't make up for. But I do agree with you that the roster is a lot more talented than it's getting credit for. Um, they, it, it, I, I've seen their situation compared to Kent State's a lot, and it, they have, you know, categorically returning, one similarity. Categorically they, one similarity. One similarity. They have, you know, there's a lot of like, oh, okay, well now they're both at the same place, starting in rock bottom, and it's like, eh, I don't know that that's the case. Most of this offense comes back. They have eight returning starters. They have an upgrade at quarterback. They're in a can't-lose situation at quarterback. They have Hayden Wolf coming in, like you mentioned. Um, he, he's a live quarterback, which they just like didn't have last year due to inexperience. That's no disrespect to um, Trey Borgay or um, Jack Salopec. They were just they were young and weren't ready. Um, I don't think they expected Caleb Ellaby to declare for the NFL uh, as soon as he did. Um, and that probably set the program back a little bit. No worries, because if Hayden Wolf isn't the guy, that means one of those two other guys stepped up uh, and um, made it clear that they can they can play in Billy Kosh's new system. Billy Kosh comes over from Richmond. They run the air raid. It's not like a Leechian type air raid, I don't think, because um, he likes to run the ball a little bit too. Uh, it's pretty balanced. Um, they're going to run a lot of plays. A lot they're of empty, man. Really a lot of empty. Like I don't want to. I don't want to get caught up empty. in the air raid part as much as the empty. Like. A lot of empty, a lot of motioning to empty, I think. Like, it's Hayden Wolf is going to be, if it's Hayden Wolf, it's going to be standing back there alone, picking people out, right? It's going to be an air raid offense. Um, pretty fitting transition, I think, with the new clock changes this year. They're going to need to cram in a lot of plays. Um, I think it's going to put a lot of pressure on defense. I know there's no evidence that, like, your defense actually gets worse from an efficiency standpoint, but, like, just be prepared that on the scoreboard like if wmu is in games it's going to be a lot of like you're going to see multiple teams in the 40s <laughs> right brian ferentz at iowa gets to pad his stats potentially against this defense um I, I see that game being a bloodbath um before we get to the schedule but 
one thing I will promise about this team is it's going to be very fun. They're um, a lot faster paced. This offense will look, um, the identity is going to change pretty significantly, I think. It's going to just be a lot faster. I don't know how else to describe it. Um, and hopefully that makes up for what we watch on defense. But I will just call out Marshawn Neeland is the only starter back in the front seven. He is very, very good. If he gets any help at all from the other guys on the line where teams can't run away from him, he's like, like you can see the type of year that like Thomas and Coombe had Carl Brooks. Like that's what, that's the type of like player we're talking about here. He's very, very good. You guys also retained your defensive coordinator too. So that's definitely got to help Lou Esposito. I oh, know he was Louis, I, Louis Esposito can't be fired. He's been there for 10 years across three different coaching staffs. Oh. So like he, he is not, uh, he is, and, and I mean this in all seriousness, like if the Lance Taylor thing works out and he moves on, like that might be your next head coach at Western. <clears throat> um, if it doesn't go well, probably not. But like if he's able, especially with this year's defense, is he, if he's able to turn in like any sort of performance from this defense with um, nine new guys um, and then builds it back to where it was like last year. If he can prove that he does that again, I think he has a he has a career as a head coach in front of him, whether it's at Western or somewhere else. But um, I, I, that's how I could see that happening way down the line. But for this season, they're going to blitz a lot. They, they don't have a lot of people in back in the secondary. It's going to be ugly at times. So uh, schedule wise, home to St. Francis FCS level. At Syracuse, at Iowa, uh, at Toledo versus Ball State, then at Mississippi State in October, uh, then you finish out the rest of your max slate. Home to Miami, at Ohio, at EMU versus Central, at NIU, and then versus Bowling Green. Um, definitely, you know, just style-wise, like knowing like how the offense, you know, if everything works out, wins are definitely going to be on the table. Upsets are definitely on the table. Uh, consistency, like, we just haven't seen it yet, so I can't really buy into too many wins until we know what we're getting out of this team through uh, September. Uh, that said, before I even say what I have them as for my record, uh, the Iowa game is going to be a very fun one to gamble on. Okay, that's all I'm going to say there. Three and nine is my prediction. Two and six in MAC play. Uh, the two wins that they have, and Justin, please don't, don't, don't you dare run across the computer and kill me because I'm going to say the two Mac wins that they have are against Ball State and Bowling Green. No, that's probably right. That's probably right. I mean, they could. My bit, my biggest fear as fan hat, my biggest fear is that they uh, haven't figured things out coming out of fall camp, and on August 31st they lose that FCS game because I don't like the idea of being 0 and four going into the Ball State game, potentially 0-5 in the Mississippi State, I think the wheels could come off pretty quick. I don't think this team on paper is 2013 Western Michigan bad. Like, I don't think you're going to see that type of season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, things are shaping up <laughs> where that last game at Bowling Green could be the one final shot to, to get one in the, um, in the win column. Again, we're doing this in order um, of mm-hmm. how many MAC wins the current head coach has which is why Western Michigan went first and why NIU is going second here under Thomas Hammock. Uh, they've gone 17 and 27 overall, 12 and 18 in conference play last year. <laughs> not good. Not good. You, you forgot that they even came close to a Mac title the year before that you forgot all about that. Um, but last year, three and nine overall, two and six in Mac play. Did not look like an NIU team that I ever recognized. Just so, so bad. Uh, over the last five full seasons, not including 2020, 33 and 32 overall, 24 and 16 in MAC play. Uh, my big thing on NIU, and I'm going to keep it really simple, I love Rocky Lombardi, and that's it. That's basically what all my notes say about NIU. It's like, I think I have written down here, like, don't just talk about Rocky Lombardi the whole time, but it's kind of the whole deal, right? Rocky plays, NIU good. Rocky don't play, NIU very bad. We have enough games of data on that that he is good enough to like change the fabric of this team on offense. Um, part of that, I think, is like 
they're just not very good on defense, which is super uncharacteristic for a program. But like, I think it's been enough years to just call it a thing for Hammock. I don't know if you think that's fair, but like, I don't see any help coming on this defense. So they have to kind of be able to adjust on the offensive side to get into mm-hmm. shootouts if they need to, or control the clock if they need to. And Rocky's really good at doing all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, last season before, um, before Lombardi went down, remember it took a while for Ohio to get going. Like the the Curtis Rourke in all caps that we know him to be now, like wasn't really on our radar until like week six or seven in that same way, mm-hmm. right? Before that, it was pretty obvious that QB1 was Rocky. Um, so he is, I think, at worst when healthy QB2 in this conference right now. And like if he plays like that, and I expect him to, this is a team that if the defense doesn't get in the way, they can certainly challenge. Um, but I would just say, if I'm an NIU fan, just enjoy these shootouts, man. Their schedule at Boston College versus Southern Illinois, at Nebraska mm-hmm. versus Tulsa, at Toledo, at Akron versus Ohio, versus EMU, at CMU, versus Ball State, versus Western, and then finishes up the year at Kent State. Um, you know, it's, it's an okay looking schedule. You know, it's, if NIU is going to win these games, it's cause they're any good. Um, I, it's, it's hard, man. It's really, really hard. I think I trust them a lot in the trenches. I think they're well coached enough there, especially at O-line. They have a, a great, great coach there. Uh, defense, they have a lot of skill there. I think. And, and I like the way that Thomas Hammock does game plan for things. I like – you can see the way that they attack each other in the box is so much of, like – it just comes down to, like, the complexities of, like, how Hammock designs the offense to be ran week to week. And I think there's a lot of, like, smarts that, like, are incorporated in NIU's run game. Um, and that definitely allows for, you know, for Lombardi to just like do his thing when the opportunities are there. Uh, that said, I just don't know if there's enough skill at enough spots or even enough depth on offense, especially at running back, man. Like the position where I thought that you guys would be loaded with this coach. After Ontario Brown, I really don't know what else NIU has. Um, but looking at the schedule, though. You know, eight and four, assuming that Lombardi is upright the whole year, you know, and that 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 includes like I'm, I'm saying they're going to beat Boston College. Forget it. Why not? Um, lose to Nebraska, maybe beat Tulsa. I'm being very optimistic there with this eight and four pick five and three in Mac play uh, with losses to Toledo, Eastern and Ball State. I just think Ball State's going to get something there. Um, we, we can get to that later. But I don't know, man. And I use tough. I want to respect them a lot more. I think I'm playing helmet ball with this pick, but I don't know. I'm being serious when I say I love rocking Lombardi and nothing else. Maybe James Esther. Yeah, they have this like even year. Remember the even year San Francisco Giants thing going on? Mm-hmm. Like they've got that going for them a little bit. It's. I wish I could depend on them to just have like a normal year because on paper this looks like just kind of like a normal bowl year for them. Mm-hmm. Um but obviously there's going to be some weird stuff going on. I think you look at the end of the season, if you want to get them to like five wins, they just have to be better than an FCS team, better than Akron. And then in the last three games of the season, they have to beat a Ball State team that's, you know, they have a lot of returning starters, but the starters they lost were important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And then two teams that have a first-year head coach at the end of the year in action. Like, that's what you got to do. Um, it's not asking a lot of them to go to a bowl game this year. I think if they don't, if they only win those five games and don't grab one against Ohio, Eastern, Toledo, Tulsa, Nebraska, Boston College, they might be looking for another head coach soon. Yeah. Like, I don't think they would fire him for five and seven, but like they have to start thinking. Mm Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, like, there's there's a level that NIU needs to be at. And, like, especially 
when like we want, especially in a year, we're going to get to it later. We're like, Hey, Toledo be the ranked team, right? That's kind of like a talking point around the Mac where like, there isn't mm-hmm. like a heavy hitter Toledo. You might as well be it. You're getting the AP top 25 votes. You're not in the top 25, but you're at least getting some votes. It would definitely be helpful if NIU were a better football team to make Toledo look better. Sure would. Hey, can we give a shout out to Trayvon Rudolph? He's back. Um, Very excited for that. Because I think on paper it looks like, oh, who are they going to throw to? I'll tell you who he's going to throw to. He's going to throw at Trayvon Rudolph. Yeah, I know. I missed him all Uh, last year. And he's going to have a big year. So um, that I just want to be very clear that like, even if this team is like five and seven, the one thing I can guarantee you is that they will not be bad on offense. Like, don't let the running back transfers fool you. Ontario Brown is very good. Um, don't let the wide receiver, you know, graduation fool you either. Like, and think that they're losing that production because you're kind of you're getting that kind of hidden production that you would have had with Trayvon Rudolph back. Moving on, we have Central Michigan next. Uh, under Jim McElwain, yeah, under Jim McElwain, uh, 24 and 21 overall, 18 and 12 in Mac play. Um, last year, not so hot, not so hot. Four and eight overall, three and five in Mac play over the last five full seasons. Central's gone 30 and 34. Is that right? Is that right? Am I getting this wrong? I don't know. We're not going to look it up anymore. Uh, 30 and 34, 21 and 19 in Mac play. Uh, my big thing for Central, I'm looking at the roster and I'm finding myself in like a similar situation as NIU where like I trust that, you know, defensively they're going to like really test some guys. I Even though I don't really love a lot of the talent there, but still Central's got some players on defense. But on offense, I just I'm not seeing the I'm not seeing the talent. I'm not seeing the talent on offense. I don't trust the quarterback situation and It'll probably steal a game with its defense, but I don't see Central being a team where I can like look at the schedule and be like, oh, yeah, there's definitely wins here because it's a it's a total team. I'm not really seeing Central as like a better overall team than, I don't know, most guys on this schedule because it's, it's not looking good for Central. Yeah, I have the same questions as you um, on the offensive side. I think this is the... This is the inverse of last year, right? Last year it was a lot of folks back on offense, expected it to be better. They kind of underperformed. And then we just kind of trusted that Jim McElwain was going to make the right replacements at defense. And uh, I think credit to you, you were on that train early that was like, don't get fooled by that. They're going to struggle. And they did. Um, Thomas and Coombs year notwithstanding. Um, this year, the side of the ball you probably trust more is the defensive side. Um, and I think everyone's kind of wised up to not just think like, oh, they'll, you know, they'll figure it out on the offensive side. Because will they? I don't know. I don't know who's going to play quarterback full time. Um, I do think Jace Bauer is pretty con- uh, pretty talented. Um, I, saying that as a Western Michigan fan, it pains me to say. But I do think that they have a, they have a good problem in the quarterback room, honestly. Um, and I, th- I think they'll figure it out. I just don't see a lot here, like from the wide receiver position. Um, and they're also replacing Lou Nichols running the football. And he didn't even have a really good year last year. It turns out this offense doesn't really go without having like two NFL offensive linemen. <laughs> um, turns out that was a pretty big problem too uh, when those guys left. Uh, so do they have uh, like a second team All American on the offensive line this year to like buoy that? I don't know. Um, they might need it though, and that's not really a place you want to be in um, if you're looking to like make up for a disappointing year. I don't know if I've really ever loved like the quarterback situations coming out of Central under the McElwain era, right? Like, like Richardson, who's at FAU right now. Um, you know, he was okay. He won some games, but like he wasn't a super, super impressive athlete back there. Quentin Dormady is probably like the best that we saw out of central quarterbacks under McIlwain. And the past few years, it just has not been clicking for central. Uh, A lot of injuries too. That's definitely going to hurt you. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's definitely one of those teams that's had to figure out how to do the thing 
outside of your quarterback position. And if you if you have the means to do that, if you're a football team, like if you're if you can pull it off as an Iowa and you can be a successful program without a good quarterback or without needing consistency at a quarterback, Kansas State's actually a great example, you know, where like they've transcended, you know, needing quarterback talent to have great success. Uh, but Central's not there. Central's not that team. They need to figure out the quarterback thing because they don't have, you know, 21 other guys to make it work. They got to find the one first. Bert Emanuel's very fun, though. So, I mean, in terms of, I, I still think they have a good problem right now because they have He's a good talented runner. guy who can He's a good runner. Air I don't out, know how man, he is. Run. They didn't, like, even in good weather, like, everyone remembers, like, the big, you know, 70 yard dash in the snow. But I saw him play in, you know, a game where, like, weather was totally fine right after that. And I didn't really see him throw much. It was Jace Bauer. And Jace Bauer didn't. You know, he was just young. He's a freshman, so I don't really know what to expect out of him. Um, mm-hmm. Let me just read over Central's schedule really quickly. At Michigan State versus New Hampshire. At Notre Dame on Peacock. Yep, got to see that on Peacock. No, you don't. Uh, at South Alabama versus Eastern Michigan. At Buffalo versus Akron. At Ball State versus NIU. Uh, at Western Michigan. At Ohio versus uh, versus Toledo to end the year. I, oh, yeah, I I don't really see many wins here. New Hampshire, I'll give it to you. Uh, what other win did I give you here? Oh, sorry to mention this to you. I gave them the Western win. I gave it to them. Uh, just because, you know. Makes sense. It's first-year head coach going against Makes Jim sense. McElwain. Yeah, it's true. I mean, they basically never do it, but, you know, that's fine. 2-10 and ten overall, 1-7 <laughs> and seven in MAC play. That's, that's the pick I'm going with for Central. Uh, last in the West. Yeah, I, I just I, I need to see some talent. They are. I know this is a preview episode, so we don't. I, I, but I just I thought about this a lot last year on the McElwain thing, and they had a they had a really good twenty twenty one. So like I think that carries a little bit. For me, I'm curious if you agree. If they have that type of year that you're laying out for them. The question for him becomes how much weight does the worst of first year in his first season in a really, really bad conference carry? I mean, not much. That was pre-pandemic. Yeah. Like, how much stock do you put in a division title? Because, like, ultimately the guy has a division title. Um, But, I mean... Most of the other guys left in the division do too. Actually, all of them, right? <clears throat> Except for Creighton and then like Lance Taylor, who hasn't had a chance at it yet. Mm-hmm. So, like, how much stock do you put in something that pretty much every active coach in the MAC that isn't in their first season has done? Uh, I mean, not much. I mean, like, I mean, you know me. Like, I. That, that that was like four years ago, man. That was like so long ago. Like I, I eternity. If I can be like on board and understand like why Western moved on from Tim Lester, I can definitely understand where Central would be coming from if they said, "Hey, everything after 2019, not so great." And also, we're like halfway into this new decade, so we got to make a change. I would not be surprised at that. Yeah, it could be a very weird offseason. For Ball State, still with Mike New. Uh, God, been with the team forever, man. Love it. Um, do they love it? I don't know. Under him, 33 and 48 overall, 20 and 34 in MAC play. That includes a MAC title. Um, last year's record, 5 and 7, 3 and 5 in MAC play. Over the last five full years, uh, since 2017, no 2020 in there. 22 and 39 overall. 14 and 26 in MAC play. And that includes a MAC title. Uh, but my my big thing for, for new, we are so 2020, that's when they won that MAC title, right? And it was a it was a good one. That was a good one. Pandemic year, you know, say whatever you want about it, but that was a that was a well-earned title. And I think that Ball State probably could have 
done that over the course of a 12-game schedule as well. Um, but I digress. Everyone expected, you know, hey, since everybody's got this extra year of eligibility, we're, we all decided, you know, 16, 17, 18, however many it was, seniors, we decide we're going to use it to re-up our senior years and just to really extend the way things are going to go at Ball State. Nope. Nope. The 2021 team failed hard. Uh, 2022 team looked like it was going to be good until what? No quarterback play. Absolutely none. Negative quarterback play happened at Ball State, which absolutely should not happen for Mike New, who was a quarterback's guy. Uh, so I don't I don't know, man. Like This is going to be a really telling year for Ball State. Not that I think that his, his job is going to be in jeopardy unless things get like really, really bad. Then that's a different conversation. But a competent bad year for Ball State, I don't know if that's going to be super fireable for, Ball, for, for Mike New. But I still think we're so far removed from that 2020 run now that we have to be seeing, okay, where is the progress forward here? Like, where is the progress forward? Like, we're past the goodwill. We're past the honeymoon of, hey, you're allowed, you know, some really bad football after you win a MAC title at Ball State because that's how often we expect it. But this is going to be a telling story of, hey, where where is our steps forward? If we're not going to be in the hunt for it this year, how are you putting us in the best position to work through whatever negatives are going to happen this year to set us up for a great amount of success in 2024 to show, hey, you know, the 2020 year wasn't just a fluke. So I, I don't know, man. I think this is just a big year in how Mike New operates his his football team. I've, I've always defended him. I've, I've, I still think he's one of the top probably three coaches in the MAC, and I've been holding on to that, you know, that take for a while. But now it's just like, okay, now you got to do something so I can hold on to that take. Yeah, I'm very um, shocked to hear you speaking this way about your boy. Um, But you know that I agree with you on that. And I think like, the thing about the 2020 season is that internally, like at Ball State, if you're a Ball State fan, like hang that banner, right? Like proudly hang that banner i think the the difficulty with that though is that like the rest of us don't have to put the same stock in that season as you do because we saw you bring the same team back out in 2021 went four and four in mac play like pretty disappointing yeah um you close the final three weeks of 2022 against really good competition. So, you know, no big deal, but you do lose four of your last five games. You lose your last three games. I just want the Mike new era to show me something like that. They can, I don't know, like finish above 500 more than once, because I believe that um, they did have the six and six season in 2021. They lost the bowl game. So I guess you shouldn't hold that against them, but they only have, one season since 2016 when new took over where they finished above 500 and that was the pandemic year like i think it's still a five-win team right i've seen a lot of predictions putting them at like six and six and and finishing above the likes of eastern and things like that i don't think i totally agree with that i think the loss of carson Steele is massive hey right you get marquez cooper though so this is what i'm glad you said that because i think there's the theory is that the offensive line, which was not good last year, was allowing Carson Steele to basically get teed off on in the backfield and have to get all of his yards after contact. Was that because John Paddock was not very good at quarterback? So teams are stacking the box, they're keying on the run a little bit more. They don't have to be as aggressive in the passing game. All good. Um, if that theory doesn't hold, it's not going to matter who you put back there because they're not Carson Steele. Carson Steele is a preseason second team all Pac-12 guy. Like, he's very highly regarded. We all watched these games last year. We saw him quite literally carry this team to even being within, like, spitting distance of a Mac West title. He nearly carried them to a win over Salido. I don't I think Marquez Cooper is talented. Yes, 
I don't think like Marquez Cooper is the same type of guy. So if the if the theory holds that it was all the passing game's fault, everything's going to be okay. That's great, but two of your three top receivers, uh, your two top receivers, your second leading receivers, Brady Hunt, tight end, who's fantastic, by the way. Um, you have Lane Hatcher, but who's he throwing to, right? Like, that's going to be a problem. Are you going to fix everything with Lane Hatcher? Transferring him from Texas State, I believe? Same. Maybe. Like, I don't know. How much better does that improve to really test that theory out? I don't know that a team in this conference had a single more impactful player transfer out in the offseason. I think it's going to show up and I think they're going to come up a little bit short of, of what a lot of people think that they can do. Yeah, I, th- I think, I think that's probably true. A single most impactful player. Yeah. That's probably definitely Carson Steele. I mean, he is on the freaks list again for, uh, for Bruce Feldman, the, the only preview piece that's like actually worth reading. I think when it comes to college football, um mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i you said five wins guess what i have i have them at five wins let me read the schedule at kentucky at georgia good lord <laughs> uh versus indiana state versus georgia southern at western at eastern versus toledo versus central at bowling green at niu versus kent state versus miami something tells me that like the the two on the road, two home, two on the road, two home, two on the road, two home. I think that's going to be like a nice, like, I don't know, man. I, I feel like that's like an easier way to like go through a schedule where like it's kind of consistent like that. I think that's going to like bode well for the body if you're just like somebody that's playing for, for Ball State where you're not always like, oh, my God, three on the road, one home, two more on the road, two home. You know, that, that's that's not a good setup to be in. Um, five and seven, what do I have? I have uh, wins over Indiana State, wins over Georgia Southern, and the three MAC wins that I have for Ball State, uh, Central, NIU, and Kent State. I think we're aligned here. Two more, and then we are out of here. Under Chris Creighton for Eastern Michigan, the team has gone. And, I, I oh, man, this is going to be so fun. It's going to be so fun. 43 and 40. That's right. That's right. EMU has a winning record with its head coach. How about that? 26 and 28 in MAC play. So still got some work there to do. Uh, last year, 9 and 4 overall, 5 and 3 in MAC play. Over the last five full seasons, Eastern's gone. That's right. A winning record. 34 and 30, 20 and 20 in MAC play. Listen, man, I, I can. I have a lot to say about Eastern. Obviously, this is for Ipsy 11. You know, I'm going to have a lot more to say about Eastern, but I'd like to just keep my conversation as long as, you know, everybody else. Um, If I have to have one big thing that I'm going to point out for Eastern, one big thing, and this is definitely a thing that I've written about over and over again, is that quarterback Austin Smith, you know, so young in his development, but this team is making a push to win a MAC title now. It has to do it now. And how is it going to do it? By making sure that the downfield passes are consistently there. EMU just needs to be a threat with the downfield pass. Deep downfield passes are what Eastern needs to thrive on. Austin Smith needs to improve in that that area. I think he's a great athlete overall. I think he's a smart guy too. I think he's a good quarterback. And, you know, Eastern, like they've shown that even though that there's not many returning receivers, only one starter last year is coming back right now. I still trust, you know, Chris Creighton to get good receivers in, even though that we have no data points on them. I still think that there's going to be plenty of talent that we don't know about on the outsides for me to trust in. But as long as the quarterback can get the ball there, if he can get the ball 30 yards downfield, like he needs to 40, even, there's a lot more points to be had for Eastern. And that's where, you know, going from being just behind Toledo in the standings to actually winning the division outright, I think the difference is in the deep passes. I think we talked many, many moons ago when there was still snow on the ground about like what would be the most difficult piece to replace on the team. And we talked about the wide receiver position. Um, 
as well. And so like that goes hand in hand with that, with that deep threat, got to be open. Right. Um, I think that's the biggest challenge, but Chris Creighton's got a track record of finding guys that can do that. So I think that like, you're right. This is the year. Um, and they have to do it. I think, um, I, I wonder when the conversation about Eastern shifts away from the like, oh man, remember when they sucked? Or, oh man, think of the resources and, and stuff like that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think like a big testament to the job Creighton's done is like that we don't necessarily have to talk about it that way. I think last year, uh, Fan Hat, I was pretty salty like watching EMU be like super excited about their season. And I'm like, you kind of blew the Mac title <laughs> and everybody feels good. I was super jealous, but I do think that it's finally the year where it's like, I think the kid gloves have to come off with Eastern and like, there's real honest to God expectations here to do something great. Um, and I think that's super, super fun um, for EMU to embrace and uh, makes for a really, really interesting Mac West chase because of all the other teams that are not Toledo. And I know we're going to talk about Toledo. This is the most exciting one um, in the Mac West and is going to make for a really, really cool um, November. Yeah, and like the rest of the world knows at this point, Eastern's the only MAC team to not make it to the MAC championship game of any of the MAC teams in its history. And the rest of the world is like, you know, and I'm, yes, I'm speaking for the rest of the world as the Eastern Michigan guy on this guy, you know, whatever. But there's a lot of attention given to EMU for the success it's had and with Chris Creighton at the helm, too, deservedly so. I don't know, man. I think there's going to be a lot of support for Eastern. Uh, it should be, like you said, very, very exciting. Let me go through the schedule really quickly. Home against Howard at Minnesota versus UMass at Jacksonville State, uh, first year in the FBS ranks, at Central Michigan versus Ball State versus Kent State at NIU versus NIU, or versus Western Michigan at Toledo versus Akron versus Akron and then at Buffalo. Um yeah, there's it's a good look, man. That's it's a good looking schedule for any Mac team. Uh for Eastern for as good as it's shown to be um for just like the tone around the team to you mentioned like when's the shift going to change? I'm I'm I'll tell you right now. Uh it's it's changing with the young people. That's where it's changing because the recruits that are coming in have never seen or don't really remember seeing, you know, a bad EMU team in their lifetimes, really, or like since they started paying attention to football. So, like, the guys that are on the roster have never been a part of a bad EMU football team. None of them. Not a one. So that that's where it's changing. It's changing, like, with the young ones in real time. Um, but I read off the roster – or I read off the roster. I read off the schedule. What's my pick for the season? I'm going ten and two. Uh, I, I already like etched in my my picks for the year ahead of Mac Media Day, so I'm not gonna do anything that's inconsistent with my picks. Which I had Toledo winning the West. Sorry, uh, they're just really talented. Uh, Eastern's gonna give them a run for their money, and I think that they're gonna go ten and two, and I think that they're gonna go seven and one in Mac play. But their one loss is going to be to Toledo, and that's going to be a stinker. Yep, they are. They're better on paper than and out of the twelve teams on their schedule. Like that, uh, there's no reason not to think that way, or at, at least expect it. Uh, at least from where you're sitting, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I oh yeah, you you also mentioned like they were happy with like the way that the season ended. I do want to point out, and like Eastern fans probably know this, but you know if you tell them, hey. You guys ended the year last year with a bowl win. They'll just as quickly respond with, "Yeah, but we lost to Toledo." So, as as happy oh, as they were sure. like, yeah. in the moment, you know. I, yeah, they yeah. Know. I mean, I definitely didn't mean it as like uh, EMU fans are like living in this like unfair bliss. I just think I remember seeing the like the post was it was the Potato Bowl, right? Like seeing the post Potato Bowl. I was just like, meanwhile, like. WMU was over there getting scolded for like, how dare you fire a coach with a winning record? And I was like, expectation shifts are super weird, man. Because like, it just changes the way everybody views things. 
but I think that like this year can be kind of like a coronation for Eastern in a way. And I would say enjoy it because if you do get that 10 and two season, um, everything that comes after tastes very different. <laughs> so this is your time to shine. Last team to finish up on for these Mac East and Mac West races. Uh, before we get to uh, this last team, Justin, thank you for, for doing this. I really take, really appreciate the time that uh, you've taken to uh, preview this Mac season with me uh, for Toledo under Jason candle. 55 and 32 overall, 35 and 19 in Mac play. Damn, that's good. Last year, Toledo went 9 and 5, 5 and 3 in Mac play, won a Mac title, won the bowl game too. Um, Mm -hmm. Over the last five full years, uh, not including the pandemic year, 40 and 26 overall, 25 and 15 in Mac play. Uh, You know, some good, not great. You know, definitely could be better. My big thing on Toledo, I mean, we we know that there's a bunch of talent that Toledo has there. It continually just it, it hasn't like the past few years haven't been great for Toledo, uh, especially since uh, somebody else in the Mac West I couldn't name I couldn't don't really know who in the Mac West did it uh, took home the recruiting title in 2023. It wasn't Toledo; it was a different Mac West team. Totally blanking on who it could be right now. Um, but usually Toledo is still bringing a bunch of skilled talent, which should always give Toledo the upper hand in most games that it plays in Mac play. Um, but the O line is where you just want to like pull your hair out. And if the O line can play up to its capabilities and, you know, just 86 is the, the dumb penalties that it tends to pick up like, two or three a game essentially um and if it can actually perform the way that it needs to against opposing d lines then there's no doubt in my mind that toledo really is a top 25 team in america but if the o-line play is just meh dude i don't know man like toledo deserves to drop a game or two well you know they're good for it yeah this team was like better than than you think last year um they let the foot off the gas in the final two weeks when they didn't need to win the games this was what you're looking at right now and the reason you're hearing all this expectation on toledo is that this was an 11 win including the uh, bowl game and the mac title game 11 total win season last year on paper they had nine they should beat western and uh, bowling green if they needed those games and everyone's coming back on offense and defense for the most part but the point on the defense that i want to make is that if there is a a gap here i don't want to just pretend like losing a first and second team all mac players on your defensive line is just like fine i don't want to hand wave uh that away of um jamal hines and dewan johnson they're still good behind them right it's toledo after all like the players that are stepping up in their wake are going to be fine but i don't want to just hand wave that away as like oh like everyone's back and they're also missing deontay johnson from uh, their linebacking core as well the front mm-hmm. seven is not going to be there's every reason to think it's not going to be as good this year as it was last year that that is not me saying they're going to be bad or even mediocre this is still going to be like probably like a top 70 nationally defensive unit it's easily gonna be the best one on the mac they have probably like a top 25 yeah but in your you're defensive also, backfield yeah you're right? also like talking to the guy really you're talking to the guy who like used to pound the table and be like toledo has the best d-line in the mac hands down uh and i'm not you know i'm not i'm not doing that right now so i'm with you yeah um but that doesn't mean that it's gonna be like something that they can't paper over or something that might not, that might even show up there. That's just kind of a risk. Like if you want, there's no reason to think this Toledo season doesn't end with nine wins or more in the regular season. Right. But if you want to find a reason why they don't, or if they're disappointingly seven and five or six and six, that's one reason you can point to. Um, And I'm focusing on the negatives because I think the positives are well laid out about this team. Again, a team that on paper should have won 11 games last year. Everyone's coming back 
not very hard to understand like why they're going to be very good. Uh, they turn the ball over a lot. Like Daquan Finn, I think we assume is going to be better. He's going to be healthier, but better and healthier doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to throw 12 picks again. Right? Still, he's like 23 touchdowns, 12 picks. It wasn't like he obviously has a very, very good uh, and outstanding quarterback, but minus five in the turnover margin against Buffalo. They had three games last year where they lost the turnover margin by three or more, and none of those were Ohio State. They're Buffalo, Western Michigan, and Bowling Green, uh, two of which were like among like the everyone regarded as not very good and currently aren't very good. They can't do that, right? If they want to cross over into this, like, if they want to have their time in the sun as like that special team, the flag bearer for the MAC, they want to do what NIU and Western Michigan did, and even like what Kent State almost did. They lost that, you know, they were a few plays from the Orange Bowl themselves. So like, Toledo has just always been, um, not necessarily overshadowed, but they had all their really good years, their good run from 2015 to 2017. They never really like exploded onto the scene in the way that everyone's expecting them to. The, the door is wide freaking open for them to do it this year. Um, if they can't do it this year, don't know when they will. And it doesn't matter because like, even if they don't, they're still going to wake up the next morning with more resources and being in such a good like location that other Mac teams wish that they had because they're still going to have all their advantages, whether or not that, you know, if they win the West outright or if, if they, hell, if they fall in third place for whatever reason, they're still going to have a whole bunch of advantages that other Mac teams don't, which is like the, the point that we all, me, you, our, our good friend Caleb and anybody else in the college football media landscape that takes, you know, 10 minutes to finally look at Toledo and figure out, Hey, you know, what makes them good? It's they, they're just well located and they're well funded enough. They in the transfer portal era, you and I have talked about this a little bit, you know, off air. We're like, they're keeping guys. They're not losing guys. They're getting better on paper. They're, getting more players from the power fives than they're losing to, you know, in a, when everybody else is kind of having like the middle of their rosters, let's say like you're ranking your players one to 85, right? And if your twelves to thirties are just like, keep, you know, if they keep transferring out for whatever reason and trying to like level up in the world. And while Toledo is not losing the meat of their sandwich. And if they're like, keeping their upper crust and their depth while everybody else is still trying to like keep up with their own rosters in the Mac. That's a great place to be in for Toledo. But if they're not going to like run away with like the Mac, if they're not going to run away with these wins, dude, we're all disappointed in you, whether or not we're rooting for you. We're all disappointed in you because we're all jealous of the advantages that Toledo has. This is the point where I look at the schedule and read it off at Illinois versus Texas Southern, versus San Jose State, versus Western, versus NIU, at UMass, at Ball State, at Miami, versus Buffalo, versus Eastern, at Bowling Green, and at Central Michigan. I have them going 10-2 overall, 7-1 in MAC play. Uh, like I said last episode, uh, take the L at Jaeger Stadium against the Miami Red Hawks, mostly because I think that they can like definitely lose that in a phone booth, and I you know, am trusting the uh, the Gabbert four in year 10 of Chuck Martin against Toledo there. But other than that, man, Toledo, I don't see a reason for them to lose as many games as they did last year. I don't. And, and it's I'm still there was no surprised. reason for them to lose those games last year. I no. mean, they lost they losing a they losing a snowy Hail Mary to Bowling Green because they basically played like the game was over. They talked about the loss to Western, which is, is what it is. They lost a really weird game to San Diego State at the beginning of the year last year. Like that's what I'm saying, this team was way better than we remember and they're probably better this year. Yeah. And, and I, like, I'm not about to throw they in don't... like go for it. Yeah, go ahead. I was gonna say like I am I'm not gonna like factor in like sandbagged losses in November. Like I can't I don't know how to do right. that. Yeah, especially not when you're previewing like what they're gonna look like the next year. Like those don't they don't factor it at all. But this schedule is super favorable. Like if they want to go 
This is the perfect schedule to have, by the way, if you want to like go and get that group of five New Year's Six bid. This is exactly the schedule you want. You have a good enough Power Five team on the schedule that if you win in week one and then do your thing, you've proven enough. Yeah, I mean, like in like Illinois, that's not like a disrespected Illinois either. That's an Illinois that we really respect. Like if you outscore Illinois and get past their defense enough, that means you're legit to some degree. So yeah, if you start off one and zero, and if you capture that magic, you know you don't really have to be on TV. You just have to coast with a good record for long enough. But if you start zero and one, two and one doesn't look good in week four, man. No. Um still going to be a really strong year. Although, I mean, they could lose the first game and then run the table out from there. I mean, we've seen NIU do that. Um, they're a lot, a lot close game to Iowa and then win the remaining games. Yeah, but th- yeah, but that was like so was long ten, ago, man. Like we were, years ago. we were kids. We were yeah. so young. We didn't we know any kids. better. The world was different. It was better. Yeah. This is the new hotness. It's all about the Toledo Rockets. Um, they... Yeah, this is their time. I know that we have talked about this a lot too, where like this season is one where it's like it's it's not just this season. It's are they can they open the door to like a run of dominance? Because it's gonna be very difficult. You mentioned the resources. It's gonna be very difficult for teams to maintain the level required if Toledo finally figures this thing out. And the roster shuffling. And right. like if I don't know. I don't know how good of a like. And and can they retain it beyond Candle? Because I think it's pretty safe to say if they go ten and two this year, Jason Candle will not be the head coach at Toledo mm-hmm. anymore. Or maybe he just says, "Fuck it, I'm <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna be the head coach at Toledo forever." Uh, y'all could have had me. I'm just gonna make a million and a half dollars at, at Toledo and just keep winning ten games and right off into the sunset. I don't know. I don't know how old he is. He's not that old. Nice, pretty young. Yeah. So it it is wild that he'll have been here almost a decade. Um, and it's it's gonna culminate until I hit it'll it'll be his second double digit win season, right? But this time you can't accuse him of doing it with somebody else's team. It's all his. Um so but it is Toledo. Talk about um you're doing the helmet thing with the helmet watching thing with NIU, mm-hmm. you can do the same thing in the negative direction with Toledo. Um, can you count on them to drop a few games and just be generally disappointing relative to their expectations? <laughs> sure. That's absolutely true. I never really thought of the helmet direction in the, the helmet game in the other direction for Toledo, but you know what? You're absolutely right. That is kind of how it works. Justin, this is why I needed your expertise, and this is why you're a perfect co host on uh, the aforementioned Mac Football Pod. Um, as we close this up, I'll let you have the final word if you have anything that you want to add on anything that you're expecting out of the Mac East or the Mac West races. I think the Mac West race to me seems pretty cut and dried. You have Toledo and Eastern Michigan. They're the most complete teams. They're the teams we know what we're going to get out of them. Your wild card is going to be Northern Illinois and how good is the Rocky Lombardi on the East side. And Western's offense. I'll say Western's offense too. Western's offense, yeah. Western. Uh, my only prediction about Western Michigan is that someone late in the season is going to get like sixty points hung on them and have no clue what the hell just happened, <laughs> including Western. It'll just be a thing that happens, like, and they finally like figure out the air raid, and then they might score like three points the next week. It, it's going to be funny. I can't wait for it. On the east side of things, Miami's the threat, I think, more than Buffalo, just because I think if you wanted to to Ohio, that is, if you wanted to give me a team. That I'm like, which team in the Mac East that isn't Ohio could beat anybody on any given day? It's Buffalo. But if you want to give me the best chance at someone like actually going and winning the dang thing, it would be Miami because I think Miami has is just more of a model of consistency where like if they hit their upsides with Gabbert, that's when they can be really really dangerous in a way that I don't think Buffalo can because I just don't think their quarterback play is that good. It's no disrespect to Cole Snyder who's a very good quarterback, but I just think the edge goes to Miami there. Um, and on the bottom end, Kent State's probably going to be every bit as bad as expected. And I, it's really unfortunate. And I hate like how that happened for them. Um, and I hope we don't see more of it. And just as a general statement about the MAC, man, I think it's going to be a pretty good year. I think a lot of these teams are better than given credit for. Um, in, in, Toledo included. They clock in at like 71 in S&P Plus right now. They're the far and away the favorite in the MAC in that regard. Um, 
I, th- I think they're better. I think Ohio's offense is even better than it's given credit for. We might have two teams in this league again with top 50, top 60 offenses in the country. And that I think is going to make for like a really exciting title chase.